So as you might know, yesterday in the Archdiocese of Chicago, down at Holy Name Cathedral, all of the new deacons for the Archdiocese were ordained. Both those guys who are at the seminary right now, like your own Deacon Gino Wilcox, but these would be the ones for the Archdiocese of Chicago, as well as all of the permanent deacons, all together in one wonderful ceremony. And as I hope you also know, one of your very own, uh, now Deacon Dan Coughlin was ordained. He's here today with his wife, Joanne. So my role in all of this was that I had the privilege of calling forth the deacons, to call them out by name. And I had to wrestle my way through about four different ethnicities in their last names, and to greater or lesser honor to their families in doing that. But I called their name, and they stood up, and ceremonial at least came forward. So Dan, this is the first and last time in your life you have to obey my commands. But as they came up, I'll admit, I felt a little like a shepherd. I didn't know most of them. I mean, I, I knew the guys from Underline and I know Dan a little bit, but a lot of them I barely knew at all. And yet, using all this shepherd language we often get, I, I know my sheep, they know me, they hear my voice, they follow me. And it occurred to me, really for the first time, even though I've done that a few times before, is that it isn't simply a case of do they recognize your voice, but do we speak the same language? And what is the language of our church? What is the language, yes, of the deacons and the priests, but what is the language of all of us? Well, you could see right there yesterday in Holy Name Cathedral, sort of a dictionary of translation. Because as they came forward, what was their posture? Two times, not once, but two times, they knelt in front of Cardinal Supich. One time they put their hands in his, another time they held a book of the Gospels. And the third time they were up there, they were lying flat on their face, prostrate there in the sanctuary. Now think about that for a minute. Every one of those postures I'd like to suggest is a different way of speaking the language of our church. It's the language of service, right? It's the language of saying, I am here before you. Yes, okay, in front of Cardinal Supic, but they were there in front of everybody, the entire congregation, and symbolically in front of the entire church. That's the language that we're asked to speak. That's the language that the shepherd and the sheep must be able to mutually understand. Now, there's a reason for that. It's not just kind of, oh, aw, shucks, you know, I'm here to serve you. Do you catch that second reading on this Good Shepherd Sunday? To be sure, if you're like me, I often think of the shepherd as, oh, that's a guy, he's got the staff, and he's fighting wolves, and he's leading everybody through storms. He better be a pretty strong, confident guy. And that's what a lot of those shepherd readings celebrate. But in that second reading from the extraordinary book of Revelation, you get this image of the shepherd that if you don't pay close attention, almost slips in through the back door. And we heard it proclaimed this morning in this reading, where all of a sudden it's the lamb who is the shepherd. That's what John says. On the throne is the lamb, and he is the shepherd. 
It's a complete switch. It's not the shepherd leading the lamb, it's the lamb who's the shepherd. But what about this lamb? Is this super lamb? No. It's the lamb that was slain, washed in the blood of the lamb, it said. We sang about it in the opening hymn. And there's nothing gruesome or macabre about that. But it's this whole Christian dynamic by which everything gets flipped on its head. That if you really want to be led by Christ, you've got to speak his language. And what is his language? It's his language of being in the Garden of Gethsemane and saying, I could wave my hand and wipe out all these Roman soldiers. No, it's the language that says, Father, I'm here. I'm here in service to you, even to the point of shedding blood. What's the language of the Lamb? It's kneeling right there before the entire church. What's the language of the Lamb? It's lying face down on cold marble while the litany of saints washes over them. That's the language of the Lamb who is the shepherd. And so what does this have to do with us? I think it has everything to do with us if we want our faith to actually work for us, if I can put it this way. A couple weeks ago, I was talking about all those thousands of people who come to Mass on Easter and don't come back. They don't come back because they don't understand how all of this is actually relevant to them. And if all we do is think of God as this all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing, almighty, he's all of those things. But when he wants to exercise that power and that knowledge on our behalf, what does he do? He sits as the lamb who was slain. And he says, in this capacity, I come to you. And why is that our language? Why is that a language that we speak? When he calls it forth from the throne, we get up and come forward. It's because we speak that language as well, right? None of us has the ability to wave our arms and just change everything the way we'd like it to be. And the lie that creeps in is that if that's the case, then we're only as good as the strength we're able to wield. And God is only as good as the degree to which things around me change. My job gets better. The illness is cured. That broken relationship is healed. And the lamb who was slain, who is our shepherd, who speaks the language of the deacons yesterday, who speaks the language of all of us, is that I speak your language. Because right when you feel most cut off from the world around you, from the people you love, from the God that we say can do everything, that's precisely when your heart can be most open. A vulnerable heart has the capacity to receive like it's never received before. On this Mother's Day, I've got to believe, every seasoned mother gets that. You've got to be vulnerable to be in a healthy marriage. You've got to be vulnerable to be a loving mother. You've got to be vulnerable to give and receive love from anyone in your life. And so just an invitation, maybe, when these extraordinary readings coincide with the ordination of deacons, and the day in which we celebrate all those women who've cared for us. It's not just some sort of coincidence, so a clever priest better try and weave them all together or he'll insult somebody. Instead, they belong together because every single one of them is a different facet of what we say our God is all about. So just find a reason, perhaps, this week as a little spiritual exercise to say, here's where I speak Jesus' language. 
here's where I recognize him precisely in that moment when a lot of other folks would say he was least effective. Here's where we share a real dialogue. Bring that out into the light. Share it with someone you love. Maybe the, the mother or the wife who celebrated today, but with someone and certainly bring it into prayer. Because every one of us, like yesterday's deacons, is ultimately led up before the entire church. Here is where I'm vulnerable. Here is where I serve. Here is where I receive. And Jesus says, I know, because I've been there too.